I hope, I hope that you audience members and you people who take your, your time to listen to us, I really hope that you know how much we truly do appreciate you listening and how much we truly love that you guys take time to listen to us because the amount of technical difficulties that we have had to deal with in the past two hours has been too many to count. And it is getting a bit ridiculous with sometimes how long it takes us to produce an episode. Because we just recorded an episode for an hour and five minutes. We're getting ready to close the show and then it cut out. So now we redid the whole format of the show. And we're still going to try to get something out to you guys. So here we go. Episode 21 of Nothing to Say, the Fans podcast. Sam, let's try this again. Yeah? This is why, this is why we took a week break. Right. This, this is taxing, guys. I'm getting gray hairs. Yeah. I, uh, I, feel, I feel like Obama in his second term. <laughs> I feel like the week off made us rusty. Because we've never actually had that happen before. We've had shows cut out. Um, you know, 10, 20 minutes in, but never an hour and, you know, five minutes into a show, like when we were getting close to closing. It's so unfortunate. And thank goodness we started early because had we not started early and it was like one o'clock, I'd have just given up. We said we were going to start filming two hours ago. At nine. Yeah. And it's 11. And now we're one minute and 47 seconds into the episode. This is going to be a quick episode, guys. Oh my goodness gracious, dude. That was so unfortunate. That was so unfortunate. But you know what? We're gonna keep this uh we're gonna keep this on track. We're gonna make this a successful episode. And we're gonna start the show off like we always do. Sam, buddy, did you have a good week? Yeah, it was pretty good. Yeah. Anything eventful? Um volleyball tryouts went really well. We got a lot of people trying out this year, which is really nice to see. And um, anything else eventful? Not really, no. No. Well, the Niners won. It, that was like the Mud Bowl. They won the Mud Bowl. The Mud Bowl, I know. Slip and Slide Bowl of 2019, my goodness won't, gracious. Won't be the only bowl, that, bowl they win this year. It actually will be. I'm sorry to burst your bubble. <laughs> <laughs> That was so bad, dude. Every time somebody got tackled, they slid for about 72 yards. It's one of those games that you love, like, it adding to your win total, but you don't want to watch it back. No. Like, you feel really good coming out of that game. Like, yeah, dude, we just – we grinded that win. But you look back and go, wow, we really sucked. (laughs) It's Yeah, it's one of those (laughs) games that Sunday night you party hard because you won – but as soon as Monday hits and you go into film session, you're like, wow. We were terrible. <laughs> we were terrible. Um, speaking of terrible, speaking of terrible, did you get a chance to watch the Raiders game? Nope, not at all. Didn't even oh. turn it on. I mean, it was oh. over before I even had a chance to turn it on. So. Oh, well, you know what? I got a chance to watch it. And I'll tell you what, um, the game was over at the end of the second quarter. And the reason why was I could tell it was over right away. Derek Carr fumbled the ball out the back of the end zone with about two minutes left. The Raiders had a chance to take the lead, possibly heading into halftime. And he fumbles the ball out the back of the end zone, touchback, Packers get the ball, drive the field, touchdown. Game was over. 
at halftime because there was no way the Raiders, who have been such a bad second-half team, were going to come back against the Packers, especially um, when the Packers were at home and they were getting the ball to start the third quarter. There was no way. There was no way. And then the Packers proceeded to run away with the game, and Aaron Rodgers decided he wanted to go throw for 425 yards, throw for five touchdowns, and run for another one. So thanks, A-Rod, for projecting yourself uh, – into the MVP race against the Raiders. If you could have saved that uh, for next week, that would have been great. But, you know, whatever, because everybody always decides to beat up on the Raiders. He went in fuego. What? He went in fuego. Oh, you're a French guy. You're not a Spanish guy. I I never learned how to roll my R's. Cool, that's a shame. Does that mean, like, I'm a less... Lesser person? I A little bit. I mean, you're lesser than me, but we already knew that. Because you're 4-2 and two in our picks. Not where it counts. Interesting. You always bring it there, you know? <laughs> <laughs> like, whether, whether it's a, some sort of penis joke or sex joke or whatever. I just, I just want, for the record, I have no idea if that statement is true or not. Yeah, let's and let's I, let's put I can that honestly. Out there. I could honestly go my whole life with not. I know, I know. I don't. I don't. I don't ever want to know. I that's you can keep that to yourself, and uh, we, well, we. I can, will keep it to myself. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll move on from that. <laughs> uh, so, are you blushing a little bit? Am I blushing a little bit? No, is, but I'm cringing a little bit. I'm cringing a little bit. Just, well, why just, don't we just why don't we just start this over, Jason? Start it's not this, like it, it's not like it's the first time. <laughs> Yeah, it'd be trade be take number four. Um, so Sam and I, we we made our picks for this upcoming week, and we went different on five games. I picked the Bears. Sam picked the Chargers. I picked the Lions. He's got the Giants. I picked the Titans. He picked the Bucks. I got the Bills. He's got the Eagles, and I have the Raiders, and he has the Texans. Every other game this weekend, we are exactly the same on. So we're gonna have five games going into next weekend where we are different on, which we have not been different on um, five games in a long time. The past couple of weeks has been like one or three. Um, but, you know, we got – there. there's some good games this weekend, actually. The Bills-Eagles game is probably going to be very good. That's going to be the Bills, like, real – I would say real – first real, real test to see if um, – how legit they are. They've played some kind of cake teams, and – the Patriots and the Niners are kind of getting some slack right now for pay, for playing some cake teams. But so have the Bills. Like, the Bills are 5-1, and one, but they don't have an impressive win against a, an impressive team. They've beaten the Jets, the Giants, the Bengals, the Titans, and the Dolphins. Like, I would have picked them to probably win all of those games preseason. So... Yeah, if they beat Atlanta, then they probably would have beaten the worst teams in the NFL. Exactly. Good grief, Atlanta's so bad. They're so bad. And honestly, I blame the defense. <laughs> you think? I Well, no, because their offense is – and I know that's a stupid thing to say because it's kind of like, duh. But They're putting up points. Yeah, their offense is producing. It's their defense that's holding it back, which is something that you mentioned about Dan Quinn. Oh, that's right. Defensive that, head coach. All that long ago. Mm-hmm. I literally was – it was funny because I had literally heard this morning on SportsCenter them talking about, well, if you're going to see a coaching change, it's going to happen probably within the next couple weeks. 
I think Atlanta should go after Oklahoma's Lincoln Riley. Lincoln Riley is going to get a job whenever the heck he wants a job in the NFL. Like that dude is people are just waiting for him to say, I want to come to the NFL. If just purely looking at the offenses, if you were Lincoln Riley, would you choose Atlanta or Dallas? Man, probably Atlanta. I'm thinking too. I mean, you let's see. So with Julio there, and Julio is still obviously in his like he's still in his prime. I I mean, I don't think I don't know He's gonna retire still in his prime. Yeah, so like I don't know if he's ever gonna fall off. Austin Hooper's a really good tight end. A really good tight end. Mm-hmm. Calvin Ridley's a stud. Devontae Freeman is a stud. Mohamed Sanu is a stud. Mohamed Sanu is a number two, possibly number one wide receiver on almost any other team, but because Ridley and Julio are there, he's turned into number three. And Matty Ice. So in terms of offensive talent, like pure offensive talent, yeah, I think I'd go with Atlanta mm-hmm. over Dallas. Mm-hmm. I mean... And the big the big thing too is in Atlanta he'd run he would run the show. Like he yeah. would have final say on all personnel changes. In Dallas, that is not realistic. Right. So I, he, I if I were him, I would choose Atlanta. Well let's compare real quick quarterbacks, Matt Ryan or Dak Prescott. Who'd who who'd you pick to, to be your quarterback tomorrow? Matt Ryan so Dak's not going to win you a game, but he's not going to lose you it either. I feel like Matt has the ability to win you a game, but he also has the ability to lose you any game. I would go with – I think this is purely because of my Dallas hate, but I think I'd go with Matt Ryan. See, I'd go with Matt Ryan too. Um, and, and he's an MVP. I, I Yeah, I was going to say. I mean, I know you're saying that Matt could lose you some games, but I – He's going to win you a lot more games than he's going to lose you. Um, I'd pick Maddie. I think it's pretty easy to pick uh, Ezekiel Elliott over Devontae Freeman. Mm-hmm. So then you go to their wide receiver core. You got Julio against Cooper, and you'd pick Julio. You pick, I'd pick Julio against anyone. Right. Personally. So then you go to their number two wide receivers, which is probably – I mean, there's Gallup Michael Gallup and, and, and Cobb. But, like, you could argue – Gallup or Randall Cobb, but we'll just say Gallup against Ridley. I'd still probably lean towards Calvin Ridley. And I think I'd probably go Rand. I'd go Randall Cobb over Muhammad Sanu. Really? Yeah. I probably wouldn't, but that's fine. Um, I mean, Randall Cobb's only twenty nine. I feel like Randall Cobb's way older than that, but he's only twenty nine. He was relevant so early. Yeah, with in Green Bay. Uh-huh. Um, so I mean, at least based on my picks. Um Oh, and Hooper I I'd take over Witten. For sure. Right. So I think But the just, Cowboys offensive line is better. True. So <laughs> I I guess I would st- I'd still lean towards Atlanta, but mm-hmm. yeah, that offensive line of Dallas is is something else. If I'm a flashy coach like that, I'd rather – I feel like I could do more with the pieces in Atlanta than with Dallas. 
You know, it'd be interesting, say, Lincoln Riley became the head coach and then he made Dan Quinn just the defensive coordinator so Dan could just focus on the defense. Why would he do that? Well, I'm just saying. I wonder, I wonder, how, I wonder how different – I'm just I'm saying hypothetically. I wonder how different that would be for, for, um, for Dan just to be able to focus on the defense. I don't know. I mean, only only he would know that. Only coaches would know that. But I wonder how much of a different dynamic that turns into. They're a dumpster fire. They're really bad. Who did they beat? Who did Atlanta beat? Yeah. Oh gosh, that's a good question. Um, Giants or something. They beat. Looking back. No, they didn't. They obviously didn't beat. Oh, they beat the Eagles. They beat the Eagles really? in a slugfest. I remember that game. That game was so, like, just – it was – they were killing each other that game. That was one of the hardest-hitting football games I've seen all year. And <laughs> talk about Matt Ryan. Matt, Matty threw for three touchdowns and three picks. <laughs> mm-hmm. But Wentz also threw for two interceptions and one touchdown. Um, that game was rough. That was a rough game for both teams. Yeah, they beat. That's right. They beat the Eagles. I totally forgot. (laughs) And that if you're Philly, you're looking back at that and like shaking your head, right? Because I mean, that'd be the difference between four and three uh, right now, and you're you'd be even with Dallas. Yeah, that's a bad loss for Philly. Man, that's such a bad loss for Philly. Philly's been so inconsistent recently. They have so many injuries. Yeah. Um, one of the things that we talked about in our hour and five minute podcast that you guys will never hear. It was, um, such good, it was so good stuff. It, it was some pretty good stuff. But one thing that I think we need to, to transfer over to this one is just a comparison between the AFC East and the NFC. Because right now the AFC, it's really, it's so not even sort of close when you look at which conference is better. The NFC is loaded. It is loaded with talent. The playoffs in the NFC right now could be the Saints, Vikings, Packers, Seahawks, Niners, Cowboys. All, except for Dallas, I think legitimately good teams. Mm-hmm. And, and we read out the read out the AFC. The AFC, right. yes. So, so here right we now. go. It would probably—I believe—it would be the Patriots, the Bills, the Chiefs, the Ravens, the Colts, and the Texans. Yeah. Mm. So Texans, Colts, Ravens, Texans, Colts, Ravens, Chiefs, Patriots, Bills. Those six teams, right there. So we don't. I feel like the NFC is more established teams. And the AFC has Baltimore, who we really don't know who they are. They can Mm -hmm. go from losing to Cleveland really badly and then beating Seattle. Yeah. And you're like, what the heck? And you have Buffalo, who hasn't played anyone. No. Indianapolis, who lost to Oakland and L.A., but beat 
Kansas City and Houston, and you have Houston, who lost to New Orleans, Indianapolis, and who else did they lose to? Panthers. Really? Yeah, sixteen to ten. Yeah. See, that's like Houston. I feel like is a good team in the AFC, and they do not have a good <laughs> record this no. year. No. With bad losses. And, like, so one of the things we had talked about that I, I think is, was probably one of the most interesting parts of our failed uh, episode was um, the comparisons between the NFC West and the NFC North. Probably, like, I'd say easily, without a doubt, the two best divisions in football right now. Because the NFC West is the Niners, Seahawks, Rams, Cardinals. The NFC North is the Packers, Vikings, Bears, Lions. And they're so similar. They're so similar with the Niners and the Packers being the number ones right now. You have this. Yeah. You have Seattle and Minnesota, two teams who are both five and two and Seattle's been more consistent, but they've also, they've been inconsistently consistent. It's like, it, it, it's not, that's not the best way to describe them, but they got blown out by Baltimore and blown out by Teddy Bridgewater saints. Yeah. And they barely beat the Bengals. They barely mm-hmm. beat the Steelers. They barely mm-hmm. beat the Browns. Mm-hmm. And they barely beat the Rams. Like, they're winning the games, but they're not, like, handling teams right now. And on the flip side, Minnesota, early in this year, everyone was saying bench Kirk Cousins because he was playing that bad. Yeah, but I guess getting publicly bashed by your wide receivers sort of lights a fire under you, you know? I guess. Because, They've rattled off wins. Oh, my gosh. So, the last three games, Kirk Cousins, 22 for 27, 306 yards, two touchdowns. That was against the Giants. Against the Eagles, he was um, – well, that's not what I want to click. Um, <laughs> Kirk Cousins was 22 for 29, 333 yards, four touchdowns, one interception. And then just yesterday against the Lions – he was 24 for 34, 337 yards, four touchdowns, no picks. That was the guy Minnesota signed. That was who they wanted. Not, not the uh, Kirk Cousins against Atlanta, 8 for 10, 98 yards, one touchdown. So if the Vikings can have that Kirk Cousins. With Delvin Cook still running like a monster. Who I don't know why he's not in the MVP conversation. Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook. Because it's it's a quarterback award. Dalvin Cook should be in the. Um... Who's who's more valuable, Christian McCaffrey or Dalvin Cook? Oh goodness gracious! Um, to their team or just who's better? Who has a better claim to the MVP award? <laughs> Dude, there's there's your Thunderdome right there. Because <laughs> I feel it's like Chris, it's Christian McCaffrey. I would say so, probably. But man, I mean, Dalvin Cook, one eleven, one fifty four, one ten. He had a thirty five and a forty one, but one thirty two, one forty two. I think the, the Panthers... reason. Well, okay. No, go ahead. Well, if the Panthers were to somehow make it into the playoffs. I think he wins MVP. Uh, yeah, and I think the only reason why is because he does something that Cook doesn't, and that's he catches the ball out of the backfield way more than Dalvin does. 
Yeah. So I think that's what gives him the edge. Over... He does literally everything for that offense. Yeah. If he threw the ball, <laughs> he would complete. <laughs> right. <laughs> He's pretty much the Lamar Jackson of running backs. Yeah, it's a good. Yeah, there you go. There's your good compare. That's a great comparison, actually. Um, so yeah, you have the Vikings and the Seahawks. Then you have the Bears and the Rams, who are underperforming. And then the Lions, who are, even though they're two, three, and one, they're still a team that is like you can't take them easily. And then the Cardinals have rattled off three straight. Now, granted, it was against the Bengals, the Falcons, and the Giants, but. Regardless, Still. they're three, three and one. <laughs> they're five hundred. So, those are the best divisions in football right now, and they're so. It's interesting how similar they are, um, just in terms of their teams and 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 their their win totals. So, um, so I don't know if you guys can tell, but we've pretty much said everything we wanted to say about the NFL because we spent like Whoa. about <laughs> fifty minutes on yeah. the NFL on uh, on the last one. But it's actually probably a good thing uh, that we got all of the stuff out on that episode because, honestly, the most prevalent thing that is going to be going on in the next couple of days between this episode and our next episode is the NBA. And that's something that we didn't really get to talk about in our failed episode that we keep referencing. So let's talk a little bit about the NBA because the NBA is starting tomorrow, which will technically be today when the episode is released and the two games on are the Pelicans and the Raptors and the Lakers and the Clippers. I don't think anybody's going to watch the Pelicans and the Raptors game, especially now that Zion is out. But that Lakers-Clippers game, dude, I am all Ooh. in. I am all in on the NBA being back. It sucks that Paul George isn't playing. I didn't even know that. You didn't know that? Way to ruin my day. Yeah, doesn't it, doesn't it just make that game like less interesting? Well, now I don't – well, well, I mean, it does make it less interesting because George is going to be – you'd love to see the Clippers at full strength. The um, Clippers at full strength versus the Lakers at full strength. But, I mean, Kawhi is still going to be on the floor, and that's my guy, so. Yeah, he's trash. Sure, he's the best player in the league. Not now, Jason. <laughs> Not now. <laughs> We'll we'll save that for uh, for a Thunderdome. Um, but one thing that we uh, should talk about, and one thing that we definitely need to talk about, um, because we are uh, fans of the team, and this is a fan podcast. Let's talk about the Kings, because the Kings Always. signed Buddy Heald, and because of um, now we already knew the Kings were going to win the championship this year. That was never in doubt. Um, wow! So you said that in the failed one. And you thought it was so good that you said it in this one too, bro. I, you have to speak it into existence. <laughs> <laughs> Not only did you say it once, and it was ridiculous, but then you chose to say it again, bro. I'm saying it for a third time. The Kings are going to win the championship. You have to speak it into existence, or else it's just not going to work. You got to have faith in your team, dude. Where's your faith in the team? You say it. Yo, I put them at seventh. You t- say they're going to win the championship. They're going to win uh, the D-League championship. You're a terrible fan. You're a terrible fan. Okay, by the way, I wish I could put up a poll. Um, when you're a fan, are you allowed to say we? No. The- yes, you are. Do you get paid by the organization? Bro, okay. Spontane- are you on the court? Spontaneous Thunderdome. Are you allowed to say we if you're a fan? 
Stay your We're point. not doing this. You're, no, why we're not, not doing this right now. Dude, let's go. We got to talk about the NBA. No, we're going to talk about the NBA. You're terrible. I'm trying to make this show uh, entertaining for people, and you're just deflating Dude, this my is, sales. We've been doing this for two hours. <laughs> <laughs> I need your energy uh, up, dude. Let's go. <laughs> I just want to go to sleep. <laughs> I got it at 8 a.m. <laughs> oh, man. Um, but the Kings signed Buddy Heald to a 40-year, $94 million deal. Whew. Now, I did not really particularly um, care for Buddy's comments about the Kings recently. And I know... Now, Buddy came out about and said some pretty harsh things about the Kings, not having signed a, a major free agent in a long time and how he was worth all this money. Now, all of that may be true, and all of that could very well be facts. And the NBA is a business, but you don't say that publicly. Because now that the was, team That knows. wasn't even the worst part, though. Oh, true. Go ahead. You explain that part. So, so that was – that hurt. But it was true. Every fan knows that. I, I can't even name a big-time free agent that the Kings have signed. Maybe Harrison Barnes. So, yeah, biggest. I was going to say the last guy who came to mind besides Harrison Barnes was Rudy Gay. But they traded for him. True. So, I mean, yeah, you're right, actually. They did. I was just thinking of, like, the biggest name to have been in. And, like, Mitch Richmond, they traded for him. And Chris Webber, they traded for him. And Vlade, they, I think, traded for him. And DeMarcus, they drafted. So all the big players that the Kings have had, there's very few, yeah. <laughs> have been <laughs> have been in Sacramento un- against their, their own will. <laughs> <laughs> no one has chosen Sacramento. Right. But but so that wasn't that wasn't like the biggest knock. But when a guy says that if he doesn't get a deal done by a certain amount of time, he is going to simply have his agent contact other teams and essentially move on so quickly. I think that was the part as a fan where you're like, wait, how committed are you in this team? Because if you're truly committed, it should not be that easy for a guy to just say, yeah, I'm moving on. Like I'll play out this year but I'm moving on. Right. That is dangerously – it's a very dangerous thing to say to a very passionate sports fan base. Like Sacramento only has the Kings until recently. Now they have Sac Republic. But they only have the Kings for this amount of time, and that is the most beloved thing in this city. If you dog on them and say – like, if you pry the covers open and say that, yes, this NBA is a business, I'm not passionate about this team, I'm not passionate about this fan base, everything that Buddy has said about loving Sacramento, everything, that is now put into question. Mm-hmm. At least for me. Well, I mean, I mean, you're not wrong, because not only is it put into question for the fans, but also now the teammates have heard that. You, I mean, you got to believe the teammates have heard that. The organization has obviously heard that. So now everybody knows. Now well, everybody too, knows. If, Go ahead. If teammates feel the same, if I'm a fan and I'm like, 
well, this this guy has said that he loves being in Sacramento. De'Aaron said that he loves being in Sacramento. Does he like feel? Does he truly feel that way, or does he feel like Buddy? Like, will he turn his back on Sacramento if he doesn't get his money? Yeah, like, it it just puts in a question. Like, a a player should not be that honest. I don't think I've ever heard a player that honest during a contract negotiation. Usually, it's like. Oh, like we're just gonna get this done. Uh, my team and their team are working on it. Like, of course, I want to be here, especially going into the season under contract. Yeah, like just cliche stuff. <laughs> like you just, oh, I'm looking, I'm looking forward to this season. Blah blah blah. Yeah. Like we'll talk about contract stuff later. But no, he went out and allowed everyone to see what was going on. Yeah, and to say that it was an insult, and then go out and get. Four million more. You got one million more per year. Is that really that big of a deal? Is that really going to be goes, the tipping point? <laughs> it goes from an insult to, oh yeah, that's a perfect deal. <laughs> yeah, four million. When you're talking, I, that's a lot of money. If if I had four million, I'd be very grateful. But in oh, terms 100%. of a, like a ninety million plus contract, four million is nothing. It's a drop in the bucket. It's it's very it, two faced. There was a – you made an interesting comment um, earlier in the uh, – when we were talking about how if Buddy wouldn't have signed with the team, that it probably wouldn't have been the worst thing in the world. I mean, yes, the Kings would have lost. I mean, you can argue that De'Aaron is the number one option. But, I mean, you the Kings pretty much lose their number one scoring option. But in terms of who can fill his shoes, you have a player in uh, Bogdanovich who – I mean, he he scores. I don't I don't I don't know if it's a if it's right to say he scores just as well as uh, Buddy, but he can do all the same things. He's a similar skill set. Yeah, he can do all the same buddy. things that Buddy does, but he's got the added bonus of being able to to handle the ball, which mm-hmm. would in turn take pressure off of De'Aaron, and they could sort of play off of each other. So I actually think the Kings would have been able to absorb losing him but at the same time i mean i'm glad he's here but those comments about the sacramento and the team and the contract thing was just it was so out of the blue and um that i mean that it's really so sucked to hear yeah like he's he's been very nice and like very positive about the situation here yeah i, I honestly i'm during this during now talking about this i kind of Wish they didn't re-sign him, or didn't extend him. Yeah, I because it just it with this contract it makes it harder to give De'Aaron the max because he's going to get the max. Oh and yeah. When Bat when Bagley's up, he's going to need some money. And when they need to get this bogey deal done, and they already have money put into Harrison Barnes, like this kind of this deal handcuffs them a little bit. And I think that's why uh, Vlade and that. Uh, front office was trying to like nickel and dime him a little bit because they know what's going to happen. Yeah, and that's one thing that we've said about the Kings, at least you, me, and Ben internally have said about the Kings recently. It's just you've got all these young guys who it's so great to have them on the team right now, but you have four guys who are legitimately going to need to get paid in De'Aaron, Buddy, Bogey, and Bagley. 
they're all going to have to get paid. And that's not taking into account, like you said, the money that they already have tied to Harrison Barnes. So if and they dish to... out max deals like this, well, not max deals, but they dish out big deals like this, eventually they're just going to run out and somebody's not going to get paid. Maybe two people don't get paid. And if you if people are saying that Harry Giles is going to be the player that he once was, the number one high school recruit, if he returns to that, you're going to have to pay him. Eventually, yeah. <laughs> it's just so many mouths to feed. And it's kind of weird that they went for Buddy because he's – like he talks about being part of the core, but he's older than the core. Yeah, he's the older than De'Aaron, Marvin, and um, – Bogey. Bogey. And uh, now Harry. Yep. He's older than all of them. Yeah, I it's just it's it's weird. It's a weird situation because we thought going into this season is just so much hope because they played so well last year and now it like right before the season starts. Yeah, we got a new coach going into this year and I just maybe a maybe a rapist. We don't know. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's true. We have no idea. Um, the uh, so I'll ask you this question, and I, and I think and I think the answers are going to be pretty pretty. At least this first part's going to be really easy. You have the choice to pay De'Aaron and Buddy. I think they're pretty the pretty obvious choices to pay De'Aaron, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, so now you get down to Marvin and Buddy, and if Marvin continues to develop like he is. It's Marvin. It's Marvin all the way. Yes, I agree. Now you now you get down to Bogey and Buddy. So now you're picking sort of similar players. Now you're trying to figure That's out not which fair. Yeah, now you're trying to figure out which team, I mean which player would kind of suit the team the best. And like we had mentioned earlier, they kind of do the same thing. Now with Buddy you get probably a little bit probably say you get maybe five more points a night, but then you also have nights where Bogey just goes completely insane. Well, I think Buddy is clearly a better shooter. Yes, 100%. But do I think if Bogey had more opportunities to succeed like Buddy does, would he not put up better numbers? I think 100% Bogey would put up better numbers if he had more opportunities. So who would you rather pay, Bogey or Buddy? Well, that's not fair because Bogdanovich, I think, is my favorite basketball player. On the Kings. I mean, I have a, the dude's jersey. So that's not a fair question for me to answer. I think at their stages right now, Buddy has shown to be a better player. Dude, haven't we told you you're not allowed to buy Kings players' jersey? Because as soon as you do, they end up getting traded. Yeah, watch them not extend Bogdanovich. Mm-hmm. That would – you'd be like three for three on jerseys? Yeah. You got that whole Thomas Robinson fiasco. That Ben McLemore yeah. thing. Yeah. And then who else? I have a uh, Vernon Davis jersey. Vernon Davis. There you go. I'm going to get a Jimmy G jersey this year, though. <laughs> then they, then he's going to get hurt next year, and then they're going to trade him. Why would you say that? <laughs> it's just the trade. That's just the trend of <laughs> what happens. <laughs> um, but then you get to Harry. Oh, I have a... I have a Denver Nuggets Andre Iggy jersey. jersey. That's right. That's right. That was like the OG one. Yeah. Sam's got a, a nasty reputation for buying jerseys and then the players um, just ditching wherever they are. That's so weird because he, he got traded to Denver and then immediately left a year later. Uh-huh. 
to the freaking Golden State. <laughs> yeah. To Golden like, State of all teams. Dude, what are you doing to me, man? Right. <laughs> so the Kings um, are heading into – so realistic expectations for the Kings. What you, what you thinking? Seventh seed. Seventh seed? I can see Let me that. look at this. Let me pull up their schedule, actually. I got you right here. Well, I need, I'm a visual learner. True. I'm a kinesthetic learner. Um, so here Maybe. we so here we go. We'll just we'll we'll go through their first like mm, ten games, right? Why do the Los Angeles Kings come up? I don't know. So Suns, Blazers, Jazz, Nuggets, Hornets, Jazz, Knicks, Raptors. So out of those games, I say they handle the Suns and the Hornets and the Knicks. Pretty yeah. pretty easily. I would like to believe they could beat the Raptors. I think they could beat the Raptors. I really and Atlanta. Atlanta. Oh, do you not have that game up? Oh, that I okay. That was game eleven. I was looking at the first ten games, but yeah. Sorry, it's all good. Um, but we'll throw Atlanta in there. They should be able to beat Atlanta. Okay, so the Jazz. I've been really high on the Jazz. Like the Jazz it's got in Utah. Yeah, the Jazz got better over the offseason, which is a scary thing because the Jazz were already good. <laughs> and they with the addition pretty, of Mike Conley. They got a pretty tough stretch. They played Portland three times within the first, like, 15, 20 games. Yeah. And they play Utah twice within a span of four games. And then they have Denver – um, twice within the first 20 games. Yeah. And then they get the Lakers. The Lakers. Um, they get the Celtics as well. And the Nets. And the Sixers. Oh, good. They play Portland on NBA TV. I'm really glad I could watch that game. Oh, wait, I can't. Yeah. Oh, shucks. <laughs> yeah. Stupid nationally televised games on NBA TV. The Kings only have one nationally televised game as well. Like, what is that? It's just disrespect, dude. They go 40 and 42 last year. It is New Orleans. Yeah. I was talking to someone and I just threw that out there because I didn't know for sure. And, And that's not even... The Kings are not the reason that game is nationally televised. It is in Sacramento, though, so that's kind of cool. Oh, that is nice. But that game is not the reason. I mean, the Kings are not the reason that's nationally televised. That's they actually have quite a few NBA TV games. Just because of Zion. That's it. Yep. It's probably like a uh, a pretty light day in the scheduling. Yeah, it's a Wednesday. That's pretty light in the sports world. Yeah. Um, so that's the only re- It's just so oh, – gosh, I hope they just shock people again this year. Yeah. You know that our the first four games are going to say a lot about what the Kings are because they have the Suns, which they should win, you would hope. But then to have the Blazers, the Jazz, and the Nuggets back to back to back. Well, they they started off really really hot last year and were winning games that they shouldn't have. I I don't see why that can't happen mm-hmm. again. And so the Kings have the Trailblazers at home, and they have the Nuggets at home. Yeah. So home court's always nice against tough teams like that. 
And actually, four of their first six games are at home. So mm-hmm. you'd like to believe that that would lend itself to a, a nice, you know, nice little boost and ho- hopefully their win total. But dude, I'm just excited for the season, man. Like it's it's. I feel like the NBA season just ended, and now we're already right back to to game one. Yeah, we're not going to have any uh, light podcasts from here on out. Yeah, I know, because now we got basketball to talk about and football. MLB playoffs are coming up, and we introduced a segment a little while back on the last episode that we really liked. Like, we should have some – we shouldn't need to uh, struggle for content anymore. And speaking of struggling for content, oh, we were kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel on this show. Just a little we bit. Were? Just yeah. just a little bit. We were trying to find a segment to really anchor the show, and we sort of figured we uh, we didn't need to do that because, like, we had information about all these separate topics. Nothing that we were going to dive super deep into, um, or at least that was the original plan. <laughs> plan A. We're on like Plan Q right now. But so the Kings thing was actually. I'm really glad we got to talk about the Kings because, um, I mean, that's our team. This is our area. Um, and it's it's going to be the Kings are going to be talked about on this show uh, a lot. Um, are we uh, are we going to throw Sac Republic some love? Right, that's what I was about to say. So okay. Um, so one of the things that we do need to mention in the in the uh, couple things that we've sort of thrown together for the show is uh, Sacramento uh, has officially signed, uh, or actually, I'm sorry, I said that wrong. The MLS has officially accepted Sac Republic into their league. So now Sacramento has an MLS soccer team. And honestly, as somebody who doesn't watch soccer, I'm actually really excited because I will definitely go. Oh, we're going to games. I will definitely go to Sac Republic games. hundred percent. And I think that's exactly what the Sac Republic as an organization would like to hear. Like goobers like me who don't watch soccer to just be super pumped about there being a soccer team. In Sacramento. And, like, here, take my money. I will definitely come watch you guys play. It's. I was talking about this earlier with a couple of people. Realistically, like, people can poo-poo Sacramento and say, like, it's not a big city. But really look at how many cities in America have two professional sports franchises. Just look at it. And you'd be surprised, like, there's not a lot. There's probably, what, maybe 30 in the whole country, and Sacramento's one of them. Mm-hmm. It's, just, it's just huge. It puts Sacramento on the map. Yeah, and, I mean, California in and of itself is loaded with sports teams anyway. But to have, to have now an MLS soccer team be in Sacramento and not L.A., and you know, not San Francisco. There's, there's two in LA, right? But, yeah. Right. So I mean, and what I mean by that is not like adding another MLS team to LA and not putting yeah. one in like San Francisco or San Diego to have it in Sacramento. I think that's huge for this area. Oh, I, it's so Northern California. I think it's such an untapped area. Yeah. If anybody on this show right now is listening and. For whatever reason, uh, you have found this podcast and actually don't personally know Samurai or have, don't live in California. Um, 
and if you've never been to California, Northern California is better than Southern California. Tell you right now. Um, yeah, you got L.A. down there, but L.A. is kind of, I mean, L.A. is kind of weird and dirty and gross. And San Francisco has become sort of whack as well. Yeah. Um, you got, I mean, those are touristy places. San Diego is honestly probably out of San Francisco and L.A. Probably where I would rather be would be in San Diego. Um, it's pretty nice. But Northern California is just so much better. I just feel like it gets unfairly overlooked. Yeah. Like people just push it aside because it's not Southern California. It's not known for the beaches and the amazing weather. But it's in and of itself like got some very unique features that the rest of the country doesn't have. It's a lot cheaper than living in Southern California and um, even the Bay Area. And it's less populated. Mm-hmm. So it's not as dirty and crowded as those areas are, which <laughs> you can't really deny is a nice thing. Yeah. No, I mean, so, I mean, Northern California, I mean, you got Yosemite up here. And I know that's sort of kind of in the, I mean, it's in the northern part of the state, but it's kind of in the middle, but it's in the northern part of the state. It's a little bit below Sacramento, not too far uh, away. Mm -hmm. Tahoe is beautiful. It's a tourist, it's a, like a worldwide tourist attraction. Yeah, Tahoe's beautiful. The Sierra Nevadas are gorgeous. If you ever, if you ever get a chance to go up there, um, an area that I have explored so much that I wish I could get more people to go to Nevada city on uh, Nevada city is beautiful with the South Nuba river up there. Just the mountains and the forests that are in Northern California, uh, like Shasta Trinity national forest is up here. Um, like there are just so many beautiful places up and, Oh, and Oh gosh, what am I can't oh, Napa Valley. Um, oh yeah. Well, that's more – that's closer to the Bay Area. Yeah, it is closer to the Bay Area. But, again, that's not San Francisco. That's not L.A. That's not San Diego. Um, kind of the, the marquee places of, you know, you know, California, or at least the ones that people think of. Like, just Northern California is just – it's beautiful. And it feels way less crowded, too. 100%. Yeah. So, and I we – are, We are two very biased sources. Definitely. But we just speak straight facts. But also, exactly. Uh, but it is also coming from two people who have lived in Northern California and know Northern California. So, um, so we've talked a lot about sports on this show. We've talked a lot about sports on this episode on this podcast. One thing we said we were going to talk about a lot in the very beginning of like the very early baby stages of this show was movie news, and we sort of moved away from it. Um, but we're going to bounce back to it real quick because there are some uh, – first of all, there's a very giant thing that got shown tonight on Monday Night Football, and that was the new Star Wars trailer. And, dude, I don't know about you, but, like, I'm I'm all in on this on this last movie. I love how they're marketing it as the last of the saga. Yeah. I just think that's so – it's so perfect that they're paying homage to not only the originals, which – J.J. Abrams did, like, so well in The Force Awakens. But the prequels, like, mm-hmm. they're not ignoring the prequels, which I I love 
because those movies are, were so important to me. Yeah, like those were our Star Wars kids movies, you know? And if it feels like the last two movies that they've done in this new trilogy, they just ignored the prequels completely. Mm-hmm. And St- Star Wars, even as like a company, has really kind of ignored them. Mm-hmm. But it, it feels like in this movie, I'm really excited that they've brought in some of the aspects from the prequels. Right. And I just hope it comes together. I just, I just, cause this is the last, this is the last movie and it, it needs to be good to live up to <laughs> the movies of like four decades. Yeah. Around there. Is that what it is? Well, cause I think the first one came out in the seventies. Um, let me check. Um, something like that. So, episode six, which would be Return of the Jedi, came out in '83. Which I mean, episode four, looking at it, yeah, '77. Uh, yeah, so A New Hope was '77. Uh, so, yeah. I can't well, wait. actually, no, because wouldn't that be five decades then? 70s to... 70s, 80s, 90s, the 2000s, and now the 10s. Yeah. So five decades worth of movies. Culminating in Christmas time. Yeah, and we talk about the Fast and Furious franchise being uh, going on for so long. Well, those have those have more movies. I know. I'm, I'm, yeah, I believe so. I'm, I'm kidding, though, but... <laughs> Because uh, the difference between the two franchises is one of them is actually good. So I quality, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I, I I love how they're marketing the movie as well. And I'll tell you what, just based on the trailers, like the movie, like some of the shots in the trailers were just epic. Like this, these, these movies cinematically have looked the best. Oh yeah, and obviously that's technology. But like I one of I think my favorite shot. In, like, there are two shots in uh, these movies so far that have stood out to me. Um, in the, in, the, in uh, the Force Awakens, for me, it was when there was a scene where, um, well, obviously, that opening scene on Jakku when they were flying around the Millennium Falcon for the first time was awesome. But, uh-huh. but the one where um, Poe and the. Um, the resistance shows up after Han, Leia, and Chewie, uh, and uh, Finn were negotiating with that uh, Han's little uh, what is her name? Sort of the cantina scene. She's got the big glasses. Yeah, um, what's her? I don't remember her name. Nas or something like that. I can't remember. But they were at that temple, and that temple got destroyed. Yeah. And then the resistance shows him. There's one continuous shot of Poe like flying around on an X-wing just going through all these um, fighter pilots and I, it, it was one fluid shot and that was the shot that stood out to me in the movie. I was like, that was absolutely beautiful. And then in the, and then in uh, uh, the last Jedi, when it was one of the final shots of the, uh, the big fight when they were on that white planet and then they have those, the tail of like seven ships dragging in the dirt and you got that red cloud sort of following behind them. You know what I'm talking about when they're, when they have like 
It was like yeah, when they were charging the uh, yeah. Empire plate, their first order. Yeah. Like AT-ATs. Yeah. That shot was beautiful as well. So those two have been like cinematically, you're right. These movies have just been, they've been breathtaking. And in the trailers, like there was that shot of in the, in this new upcoming trailer where like you have a bunch of the um, first order ships just in the sky and then a lightning bolt flashes behind them and you see like a thousand and then you have Ray standing on that base in the ocean and the ocean kind of crashing around her. Mm-hmm. It, it They look so pretty. They look so good. And I'm really excited to see um, the Emperor back. Yeah. Like, how? How is he back? That I, I know. I was just about to ask that question. Like, I don't know how he... Like how he comes back or what role he's going to play in this movie, but they're making it seem like he's like the guy who's pulling all the strings right now. So and uh, Lando's back. Yeah, he's, he made an appearance. Yeah, he's going to be great to see as well. So I'm, I'm super excited for the movie. I can't wait to you know, see it. You know who I want to see? I know who you want to see. <laughs> I want to see Hayden Christensen. I know. <laughs> I really want to see that. It's not going to happen. Why not? I don't think it's going to happen. Do you think Kylo is going to be bad this whole movie? I hope so. Really? Mm-hmm. I hope so. Because I like him as a villain. I've honestly liked his character. But they've been... Like, this is Star Wars's thing. Like, they... Everyone is redeemable. Right, but it would be great to have a villain that's not. But then he's just a, like a one-dimensional villain. Maybe he's one-dimensional as he wants. I like his character. I like, I like his performance. But that's just weak. Like, that's not Star Wars. Well, one thing for... Okay, and so we had talked about this a while back, and Ray holding that, like, red lightsaber... Did we actually talk about that on a podcast? I believe so. You already know that that's not that Star Wars does not have the balls to do that to turn Ray evil. Like that's not. I think, her. That's, a, I think that's a vision. Yeah, that's or some sort of clone. Because they there's a a shot in this trailer where she's like staring up at a floating chair, which I'm assuming is going to be the Emperor in it. Yeah. And I feel like at that moment, like he's gonna show her something. Yeah, like that. There's like they do not have the guts to turn her evil, which you're right would lend into Kylo becoming good. But I, I don't know. I like him as a villain, and to have a villain follow Darth Vader, you need that villain to be either. You need him to be ruthless, and I feel like he's been pretty good at at sort of portraying that character. Um, but first of all, he's a great actor, and I cannot think of his name off the top of my head. Adam, Adam Driver. Driver. Um, oh, he's awesome. In uh, uh, the movie with Daniel Craig yes. and Channing Tatum. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Which name? Oh, I what can... was it? Luck something? Oh, uh, uh, Lucky... Oh shoot! This is a great movie. Oh man, what was? I it? think we we saw that together. Yeah, and we were like genuinely surprised how good of a movie that was. Oh, what was his name? What was the movie? I'm gonna look it up right now because now it's gonna piss me off. Um, 
Logan Lucky. Fake... Logan Lucky. Logan Lucky. He had a fake arm in that movie. Yeah, and it got it's sucked so... up by the. <laughs> Dude, I, my parents hated that movie. Really? Yeah, they hated it. They both didn't I like it. Was it was so good. I I liked it. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was hilarious. And you know, it was so nice to see Daniel Craig in a not James Bond role. You know, I'm. I I really hope Knives Out. Dude, I was just about to say that. <laughs> I really hope it because he looks good in it. Yeah, knives. Out, well, it's getting, and Chris Evans is in it. Oh my gosh, I it's he's so good at. I mean, he's basically playing Johnny Storm. Just he's just a guy that pushes people's buttons. Yeah, and I on I wanted Knives Out to be rated R, but it's PG thirteen. Um, and yeah, he's. He's he was great as Captain America, but I love him playing that like smart ass character. He hasn't done it in so long. Yeah, I know, and probably since Scott Pilgrim, right? He's pretty good, Scott Pilgrim. Yeah, but he's he's so good at it as ex boyfriend number nine something or something like that. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> uh, yeah, Knives Out has got or such seven. a stacked cast. Um. Yeah. And then the other thing that Sam and I wanted to talk about just for a little bit was we both have seen the movie Joker. Mm-hmm. And we both really enjoyed it. It was very good. I'll tell you what, he convinced me he was the Joker. That was because I saw the movie with my dad, and as we were walking out, he was like, I mean, I believed him. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I, so, I did too. Walking can act. Okay, here, I'm going to just – I'll put this out there right now. Um, this will be spoiler talk. So if you have not seen the movie, then forewarning, we are going to disclose some spoilers. So go ahead and um, skip ahead or just uh, thank you very much for listening. <laughs> um, but so getting in, in, into spoiler talks, um, they were building that movie up 100%. To, he was going to snap at some point. And yeah. I, w- I so did not know when it was going to happen. And the scene where he killed the other clown that he had been working with and just bashed his head into the wall for like a good minute straight. Dude, that was so brutal. <sighs> like, <laughs> and the funny thing is, is that the description of the movie you know, like when they when they give out ratings as to why the movie is rated R, and they say you know for like disturbing violence or or hard it's hard R because of language or nudity or whatever it is. I believe the description of the Joker was like for like disturbing violence or something to do with like gruesome violence. And up to that, up until that point, I was like, this movie has not been violent. So I was expecting a scene. To put it to put the violent category into the rated R section, and holy crap, the last twenty minutes of that movie like delivered on that part. Well, he did kill the three, um, the three like I don't know, Wall Street grat uh, interns or whatever they were. True, but the only really violent part of that, uh, excuse me, it showed them. It showed him shooting them like 
in the head. What the first guy? Yes, got shot in the head. But everybody else kind of just got shot. Well, the la- the last guy got shot three times. True, but it wasn't. I mean, that shot at the end when he was shooting him wasn't something I wouldn't expect to see in a PG thirteen movie. Like it wasn't an up close shot of um of him blowing his brains out or anything. Um, but that first guy that he shot, yeah, did get a bullet right to the head. Just, yeah, <laughs> and that was kind of like, whoa, okay, he just did that. <laughs> and, uh, it, and the because it didn't show the him have his have the gun pointed, like it was it was sudden. Like, yeah, it just kind of came out of nowhere. He went from getting kicked to which he got. I don't I don't get. Uh, who's the director? Todd Phillips. Todd Phillips, does he just think like dudes get pushed onto the ground and like kicked in a group? Like, is that a is that a normal thing? Because that happened, that happened like, three times. <laughs> that <was> like three <laughs> times yeah. in this movie. Yeah, it's it's so weird that that's like the only way that he gets beat up. What do you think of his laugh? Because that's such it's a sad. signature character. That's such a signature cornerstone thing for the Joker. It was sad though, like how he couldn't control it, and it got him. Like he was just, he was just a a misunderstood person. Yeah, I don't know about you, but even after all the people that he killed, like I actually did genuinely feel bad for him. Like, I don't yeah, know if you, he's... I don't know if you got that same effect, <sighs> but I did. Well, kind of, I did kind of feel bad for him. I, I was talking to my friend that I went to see the movie with, and I I think the things that transpired in this movie were not Joker's fault, how they presented it. No. It was the guy that gave him the gun and his mom. Those yeah. two people, I think, were the catalyst for what happened. 100%. One, one I think his name was Randall. Some oh yeah at the beginning, and Arthur literally is like no I should not have a gun, and the dude is like no 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 no, no take it, <laughs> no you do not give a crazy guy that dresses up like a clown, a a gun. Dude, when the gun fell out in the hospital, I that was hilarious. Oh my god, <laughs> that was hilarious. <laughs> I was like oh my goodness gracious. Arthur, why did you? Why did you have a gun at a children's hospital? It's it was, part of my bed. It was a prop. <laughs> and so I read. So did you do any reading on the movie after you saw it? No. So I did some reading on the movie after the movie, just because I'm a I'm a nerd and I do that. Um, and the website that I always go to right away is the most reliable movie website I've found, which is Cinema Blend. And they had an article about um, the Joker, and they were talking about what parts of the movie were actually real and what parts of the movie were just thoughts yeah, that was of hard. the Joker. That was hard to follow. Because the relationship between him and the girl was clearly not real. That was in I his head. definitely didn't catch that, that the that, first okay, time. Right. So that was in his head. The first part when he went on the date and whatnot with her, I thought that was real up until the up until the end when he went into her apartment and she was acting like she had never seen him before. Well, that wasn't part of the date. That was a different time. That, uh, yeah, that was ahead in time, which 
lead you back to go, okay, that date was just, you know, that was fiction, which was just part of like, that was in his head, which also means that the, when she showed up to the club and she was sitting there laughing, I don't think that was real either. No, it wasn't. Right. So then it makes you wonder which parts of the story were actually real and which actually, and what actually wasn't because the Joker is telling – because Arthur is telling the story and he's already proven based on that relationship that he's an unreliable narrator. So, so you, like what, what parts of his tragic story are actually tragic? Well, yeah, were actually real and what actually weren't because then the movie ends with him in the mental institution – and there was something about a, a – I remember I was reading the article, and there was something about there was a clock in that institution that was like the same it, – it was he had a – he had – the writer of the article had some weird connection with the clocks. Um, and uh, he was talking about like maybe none of it happened, and it was all – and that was part of – that was Joker telling the story. Have you seen The Usual Suspects? No. The Who is Kaiser Sose? No. Okay, well, for anybody who's seen that movie, it was kind of... I think he, the way that I was thinking about it was it was kind of like the Kaiser Sose ending, the usual suspects ending. By the way, Sam, you haven't seen that movie. You definitely need to see it. Um, cause, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it has one of the best um, and most iconic movie twists um, of all time. Um, and Kevin Spacey is insane in that movie. Um but it was base. It was the article was basically basically just lending to the question, like what parts of that movie were actually real and what parts were not, <laughs> and it really made you kind of wonder because that relationship clearly wasn't, in my opinion, like that was all him, just picturing it. Hmm. So go on cinema blend when you can, if you have the time, just some extra ten minutes to kill, and just. Do a little bit of reading about the uh, on that article because it was it was some food for thought. Um, well, so like, literally everything is a fabrication. Like he I, didn't go on to Murray's show. Well, I don't know because let's you think about the beginning of the show when he had the um, when he had the sort of fantasy about being on the show. And the fact that Murray really liked him, right? And how that ended up being fake. You remember well, that? Well, of course, that was fake. They presented it as fake. Right. But, like, it's just... I, I, I don't know. <laughs> so, he's been in this asylum the whole time? And so, but how does he? how does he know that the Waynes died. I, I don't know. And that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't know. Um, I, I, I don't know. I don't have the article in front of me. I'm trying to find it. Um, and we're probably, we're probably stalling on this way too much, but it was just such a, if I can find it um, and, and pull up the article for you, I could, I could read it for you. Um and we could talk about it because it was, it was a really interesting idea because he was talking about how the Joker had proved throughout the movie constantly that he was an un, 
an unreliable narrator. And it just led to the idea that we don't necessarily know what parts of the movie were real and what parts weren't because of it. Do you think there's going to be a second? Uh, no, I but... Kinda hope, I kind of hope there there isn't. Yeah, no, I wish... I mean, I wish we could see... Um, that Joker against the new Batman. The Robert Pattinson one, or yeah, the ben Robert Affleck? the Robert Pattinson one. Oh. First of all, I don't think Ben Affleck's Batman would have any problem with Arthur. In any way, shape, or... if they were in the same room, like Ben Affleck's Batman would just rip him in half. Like he wouldn't have any problem with that i'm sure they would find a way to make it interesting but and and this or this this iteration of joker is maybe one of the dumbest like there's no cunning he literally just spoilers if you guys are still here and haven't seen it but he literally goes on the show and doesn't think of an escape option and just shoots the host yeah it's lucky that he got out of there. First of all, I was so happy that uh, they had him shoot the host. Yeah, because uh, you were saying you were saying that you didn't think it was going to happen. Yeah, I wasn't sure they were going to show that in the movie. I was like, man, are they are they really going to have him do this? I wasn't a hundred percent sure, and then boom, he shot him, and I was like, okay, good, because that's a Joker thing to do. Um, to shoot a host like that, because the Joker did some did some effed up things in the comics and you gotta be pretty messed up to do all the things right so to have him um to have him do that i was like yeah i'm i'm glad they did that because i feel like if they hadn't have done it then he wouldn't have totally been the joker at that point i didn't I didn't like they kept using the same sounds like that violin playing. They kept using that whenever he would like turn bad or he would like, but right before he would do something bad. Right. That violin would go and like play loud. I didn't like how they kept using that because I feel like it just made the movie more predictable. Oh, okay. Here you go. So here's, I don't know if this is the exact article, but here was Joker's ambiguity. Four questions we have after seeing the new DC movie. Is Arthur's dad really Thomas Wayne? No. What happens to Sophie? Who's Sophie? Exactly. Oh, that, that was the girl. Is that the chick? Right. Yeah, that was I the chick. I think she dies. Did Arthur ever actually leave the hospital? So this is what, this is what I was saying. So... A big part of what contributes to the atmosphere of uncertainty in Joker is the fact that the uh, that the Joker is what one could call a tremendously unreliable narrator, which is to say that it is his perspective that is driving the plot in the movie. But we as an audience can't always trust what is being presented, the ways things unfold with Sophie and how we don't fully understand the reality of the situation until Arthur himself understands it is a perfect example. So here we go. The truth, though, is that the movie goes much deeper than this just on um, micro uh, examples. 
So examining the film from a macro perspective, it's not entirely clear whether or not any of these events that are depicted actually happen or if they are just bits of creativity from the imagination of Arthur Fleck, who has spent years locked away in Arkham State Prison. He said, this idea is something you probably don't fully recognize until you see Joker a second or third time because it's, it's particular details that lend credence to this idea. He says, for example, you'll notice early in the movie that the clock in Arthur's social worker's office set, is set to 11.11, which is also strangely the exact time that can be read on the wall during the flashback when the mentally disturbed man is shown smashing his head against the door while institutionalized. He said perhaps it's suggesting that the two, two events are concurrent and that the flashback is actually a peek into reality. And then his last paragraph on this is, going from the beginning to the end of Joker, it's also noteworthy that the film concludes with Arthur back in therapy, surrounded by white walls, laughing at a joke inside his head. You wouldn't get it. Is the joke the idea that nobody could pin down a specific origin story for the legendary chaotic character? It's a thought that Blockbuster doesn't outright that the Blockbuster doesn't outright dismiss. And the last question was: Is Arthur Fleck actually the Joker? So, I don't know. Really, don't know. Don't, don't know. I I would like to think that all that the events happened. Like I would like if if I were to give my opinion, I do think the events happened. Um, and I do think that. Um, I do think he is the Joker, but I could definitely see why he isn't. Like some of the stuff that you had talked about, he's not. There are some character traits that he doesn't have that the Joker typically has, but that's probably just because it was a different adaptation of the character. So, it was a very early adaptation, right? So, for those of you who like movies and and wanted your movie filled, there you go. Talked about a little bit of movies. Um, thank you all so much for sticking with us throughout this episode i think we saved it i think we saved it um i hope so yeah i know i i certainly hope so as well um yeah you can hear it in your voice man (laughs) (laughs) now you know how i feel when we were doing this in july and august and september when i had school the next day and you were just happy (sighs) happy go lucky after work and yeah welcome to the club buddy um, <laughs> so thank you all so much for listening episode 21 of nothing to say the fan podcast we really truly appreciate it we wouldn't stay up to these ungodly hours uh, if it wasn't for you guys as an audience so thank you so much we are one listen away from 600 listens it feels like we were just at 500 um like a week or two ago should uh should we even promise that uh we'll get an episode up at on Saturday? We'll probably stop promising and just let's just assume that we uh we get it done. But yeah, we'll we'll get it done cuz there's nothing keeping us back from uh Saturday, so. I'd hope so. Yeah. I think you all Guys, I tried I tried to get it done. I texted Jason and he was busy. I tried this is true. Although we did say we would film it in the morning on Friday morning and we never did that. So yeah. <laughs> we were probably asleep, <laughs> but he texted me as I was in the truck on the way to drill. He's like, are you going to drill? Like, yeah, I'm on my way now. Okay. <laughs> so no podcast. Yeah, pretty much. All right. <laughs> um, so thank you all so much for listening. Um, you guys have been absolutely fantastic with your support and we will see you all Saturday.
Have a great week.